Good morning, I'm Peggy. I'm reading from Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer work, walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former, former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires." and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Peggy. Good morning. It's uh, great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and um, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I wasn't here last week. Uh, we were blessed to have Anthony G. from Flagstaff here. I did get to hear his uh, sermon, and I know uh, if you were, if you kind of clicked on the little uh, little teaser, I did, because when anytime you see someone preaching, talking about punching them in the face, uh, you have to click on that. So anyway, he did a great job. And um, uh, also, oh yeah, I meant to say, if you've never heard me preach before, um, I have a speech impediment. It'll come in and out as we go. And so I just want to give you all a, a, a heads up on that. So we're going to get into it pretty quickly here as we continue to march through Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians 4 verse 17. If you don't have one with you, a, a copy of God's word, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you one, all right? We want to make sure everyone can follow along and see this is indeed God's word. Y en español, si quiere, quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 4, versículo uh, and um, again, if you don't own a Bible, uh, keep this one, okay? It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word to read and, and to take notes in and to submit to um, consistently. And as we get into, um, into our, our time here together, uh, before I pray, I just want to again say um, thank you to Christina who led through that time of prayer and obviously is something very deeply um, uh, on her heart as well as ours as a church. And I love how she led through that and, and, and praying. Um, she actually initiated sending out an email to us and just kind of saying, hey, how can we as a church engage these things? And she really took the lead in that. So I don't even know where you are. But again, thank you, Christina, for that and for your heart in um, praying that the good news of Jesus would inform everything we do and say and how we interact in, in all things. Amen. So with that, let's go ahead and, uh, and, and pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you that wherever we are, uh, whatever's going on in the world around us, whatever's going on um, in any circumstance we find ourselves in, thank you that you lead us 
by your word, by your grace, by your good news, and that we are not defined by uh, what's going on outside or even in some cases what's going on in our own lives and our own thoughts. But, but Lord, your good news supersedes all things. And so we pray that even this morning as we individually and communally submit together to what you say in your word, we trust that you will lead us to respond in faith to your good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, I did, as uh, I was thinking, I don't know if anyone else is there with me, I, uh, uh, again, thank you, Christina, for leading through that. I will say I wasn't prepped. I would have done a little bit of stretching first. My shoulders, um, I worked out in the yard yesterday, and I might need a little help. Like, if you guys are familiar with Moses, when he uh, needed help, like lifting his hands up, you know, when he was praying, I might need some of that. Um, all right, so if I call on you, be prepared to come help Help me out. Um, also, I'll just throw this out too. I see Stephen and Kelsey Collins here. Stephen is a, a pastor here, leads, leads worship um, and discipleship, and they just had a little baby, baby Levi. Is he in that little thing right there? He's in, in the flesh. So anyway, welcome Levi. Not too loud though, he might be sleeping. Um, no, that's on you. Kids can wake up in church, um, and maybe it'll wake us all up. All right, so... Um, a reminder here, there's no real transition out of that. Anyway, we're excited for you guys. Um, praise God. There's a lot of babies being born in this place. So we're, we're thankful um, for God's work among us. So as we're in Ephesians 4, I think Anthony mentioned this last week. Um, Ephesians 4 was a transition from a lot of big theology, a lot of big ideas that now get into really practical stuff. And, and it's all practical, right? It's not like, oh, that was for the head, you know, the first couple months in Ephesians, and now we're getting into the heart or into everyday life. It's obviously always practical, but the way this letter was written, it was written to a church meant to be passed around among many people, and now it gets into some really serious, um, like, meat and potatoes kind of stuff. Like, this is what you do with these things, okay? This is what faith looks like in your, in your, in your lives, okay? And so it's this, this idea that, 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 that theology, okay, what is true of God, what we believe to be true of God, how we understand who God is and what he's done and what he's doing, that that, 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 that shows up in like really seemingly everyday, normal, mundane kind of things, okay? In a sense, like sweat the small stuff, okay? Whoever said don't sweat the small stuff, they were wrong, okay? Sweat the small, like the small stuff, the small details, that reflects what we understand to be true of God. And so it's like this, what's going on in our hearts, okay, well, is, is, is defined by who we believe God to be, A.W. A. Tozer, Okay, there's a little, little uh, teaser. I know a couple people, my wife actually, one of them are going to lead through a little book study and, and what he wrote in this. And he says, what comes into our minds when we think of God or when we conceive God is the most important thing about us. Okay, so it's a big deal. So what is true of God is, is going to inform and shape what we believe about him in our hearts. And that will show up always in terms of how we live our everyday lives. All right, someone... I don't even know who this was, but a quote I read this week um, said this. They said, theology is not optional or a toy. Some of us treat it that way, amen? I'll just be real. Usually, like, 
young, restless, reformed bloggers, usually pretty pasty, sitting behind a computer screen, not interacting with real people very often, um, but just kind of, you know, educating the world one, you know, blog at a time. And um, that's who I think is being called out here. Say, so anyway, theology is not optional or a toy. It is intensely practical. My view of God, so this person was maybe being self-critical, my view of God will determine how I live every day. It will determine how I respond when my computer crashes. Uh-oh. All right, or whatever your, your form of frustration is. I have a whole laundry list, and most of them showed up this week. True, true story. My wife, amen, can, can uh, attest to that. My kids would probably even tell you more than I would want you to know. Okay, the frustrations that come up, what we believe of God will show up when the computer crashes, right? When what you're expecting in the mail doesn't come, what, what kind of bonus you were hoping to get, what happens when you're talking to a telemarketer, what, whatever it is, okay, what you do in those moments will reflect how we view God and who he is and how we understand him to be. Um, and and so, so as we get into this time, this is what Paul's really doing. He's taking us into the small stuff. It's like a surgical dive into the, our hearts, okay? So as we prepare to get into Ephesians 4, think of it this way. Um, it lets, again, we're like laid bare before the Lord, okay? Think of us right now as like laying on an operating table. And the great cardiologist, God is, is doing work in our hearts, exposing what's really there. Because again, the, the, if we, we want to step up in the big moments, We've got to question how do we live our daily lives in the seemingly small moments. I heard someone um, probably, I don't know, 15 years ago. As you get older, you, you know, these things all kind of blur together. But a long time ago, it was, this guy was talking to a group of men, uh, young men, and um, was basically talking about manhood and what it means. And he, he talked about something similar to this. And I'll never forget this. He was, it was right around the time, this might be uncomfortable to bring up here, but we're, we don't usually let that deter us. Um, he, he was talking about, you know, terrorism and what was going on in different, it was again about 15 years ago and what we would do. And, and there was this thought of, you know, what would you do if you're on an airplane and something goes down, you know, and, and most, again, this was a group he was talking to. Most of us would think like, I would step up. I'd take someone out. I would, you know, fo- form tackle, whatever, you know. Um, I've watched a lot of TV, so I know how to choke someone out. I've never done it. But, you know, that kind of idea. And he's, he's kind of talking this. And then he stops and says, he says, um, or what would you do if your family was in danger, right? Because, uh, again, many of us were, like, newly married or things like that. What would you do? And, it's, of course, like, oh, I'd lay my life down, whatever. And he says, he says I-, I wouldn't be so sure if uh, when someone needs to answer the door, someone needs to take out the trash, someone needs to wrap their hands around the vacuum cleaner, you stay seated in your, in your, in your couch, Okay, or like young, young dads, if uh, the baby's crying at two in the morning and you pretend like you are out, right? I've felt that. Here's some laughter. Come on. Am I alone in this? All right, so the small stuff going on. What do we do in those moments? Again, we think, oh, I would do this. I would do that. Well, and what we see here and have continually seen is what goes on in our hearts and then flows out in our days, in our lives, in the seemingly small things 
is really going to lead to what we do in the seemingly big moments. So as we're talking about participating in God's mission, right? Jesus flexing his muscle to the entire world, seen and unseen, the demonic realm and all these things. He's saying, no, no, take a, take a close look inside here. All right, and so with that, we pick up in, uh, in verse 17 of chapter four. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. So he's talking about the Gentiles. So what's going on right now, right? We've been talking about the, the dividing wall of hostility, right? In this context here in Ephesians, there's, there are different cultures coming together in a lot of different ways. And it's been incredibly practical for us in our day, right? Different backgrounds, r- racially, socioeconomically, reli- religiously. And as is often the case in their day, this is, you don't just separate these things there. It's all, you know, often in different contexts, different people, it's all inner woven together and he's been hammering on Jew and Gentile called together to be one people reconciled to almighty God and reconciled to self and reconciled to one another all through the person and work of Jesus the life death and resurrection of Jesus so now is Paul like throwing shade at the Gentiles or you know putting them on blast like um sorry I was off for a week I forget if this vernacular is not as, uh, doesn't hit home here in our context. But, um, you know, he's, is he now like, yeah, throwing them under the bus? Is he like, oh, Gentiles, don't be like those guys. They're crazy. Don't, you know, don't be, what's he doing? No, what he's saying is, hey, be aware of the cultural waters you're swimming in. Okay, and he's using, because they're in a largely Gentile community, which Gentile simply meant non-Jewish Okay, so they're in this place, and as he's writing to the whole church, he's saying, listen, look around to the people around you who are not a part of the people of God, and be aware of the things they're participating in and don't even know it. Right, he says, all these different kinds of sensuality they give themselves to, all these all these different, and it's all because of their ignorance of the things of God. They've, they've, right in verse 19, they've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So what he's saying is this, okay? In our, and this is important for us to hear, okay? Look, look, look at me. He's saying, understand how, how easily you participate in the rhythms of this world and, and, and you, don't, you don't invite critique from elsewhere. You don't evaluate what's, what you're really doing and how you could be going along just thinking, oh, I'm honoring God. I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm trusting him. Oh, that business practice, oh, everybody does that. Just, that doesn't even matter. Or that way I respond to people, that's how you get stuff done, right? You don't have to treat that person like an image bearer of God, like a, or a brother or sister in Christ, like, like a, no, no, because this is here, right? We divide, we, we create this sacred and secular division and all these things, and he's saying, no, take a look around you because, because you're called to be God's people, and if you don't, you, don't, you don't take this seriously, then you just get in rhythm. You're, you're swimming in polluted waters, and you don't even know it. So take note. 
he's not just calling out the Gentiles. He's using them, in this case, as an example of saying, look around, all this stuff they're doing, temple prostitution, in some cases, human sacrifice, crazy stuff that everyone would look at and be like, I would never do that. He's like, no, look at them and evaluate and understand what they're doing is broken, is not of God, and it's not because they're Gentiles. It's not because you got it right and they got it wrong. It's because they're just doing what, what the world and all its brokenness that is, that is, that is covered in sin. It's what, that's what you do. Okay, it's this idea of evaluate you and evaluate uh, others in, in such a way that, that, that is right on with, with reality. Okay, don't just look down your nose. We'll get to that in a moment when he pauses and reminds him of something. But something else that comes up there as he talks about this self-evaluation, he uses something in the end of chapter or end of verse 18. He says the ignorance that is in them. Again, they don't know God. They're not reconciled to God, okay? And again, we'll get to this in a moment. So they're doing really what they should do as separated from God. But then he goes on, he points out something, and he says it twice here, the end of verse 18. He says, due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This warning of a hardness of heart of what you do when the truth is finally revealed to you is so important. This is a theme that comes up ad nauseum in our home, all right? We get sick of saying it. Um, We should probably be saying it to each other. I should be saying it to myself all the more, but we say it a ton to our kids. I know they're sick of hearing it. What often comes up is like this. We get, something happens, there's an argument, there's there's a complaint, I didn't get what I think I deserve, I got what I don't think I don't deserve, whatever it might be, and then we, you know, enter in, talk about it here, and then often what ends up happening is the bigger conversation is not where we started, it's the response to our correction, all right? It's, whoa, whoa, what's going on there? Let's, you know, let's talk about this, what's happening, and then, I mean, in some people's case, like fireworks are going off, it's craziness, and we're like, whoa, and what's really going on often there, and we again, talk about this, is that there is a callousness, a hardness of heart. And hear me on this too, because I know we have some older people here, we think, oh, you're talking about 10-year-olds and a 6-year-old right now, whatever. Age doesn't outgrow this tendency. Okay, when sin entered into the world, in the very beginning, right, God created us to know him, love him, reflect him in everything that we do, image bearers of God, the imago Dei, that how we relate with each other, with ourselves, with everyday life would be a beautiful reflection of Almighty God. And then original sin enters into the picture. No, thanks, God. I know what's best. Not your way, but my way, right? Turning away Adam and Eve, the, the sin, you hopefully know the story, but essentially they, they chose again, not God. That's what sin could be captured in a nutshell. It's far-reaching, and it, 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 it permeates every human heart. There's this callousness, this hardness there, apart from God's intervention, and saying, no, thanks, God. And what happened right away? God calls him out. Wow, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat? 
well, I mean, you know, the, the woman that you gave me, so there's a double blaming here. We'll get into this in chapter five, by the way, when we start talking about men and roles and relationship and all this stuff. And, and he comes right after there, this tendency to blame, to shift blame. No, not, well, God, the woman, right, her fault. And then he blames God and, that you gave me, BTW, like, you know, I'm, I'm out, like, I'm good. My hands are clean. There's not this this like we experience every week here when we walk through our liturgy of an important rhythm of confession and assurance of grace. Assurance of grace doesn't come without this understanding of what God's grace is, 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 is saving us and rescuing us from. It's this recognition of our brokenness, of our sin. It's, 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 it's get this image in our heads. It's, a, it's like a... It's like a pickaxe breaking into the hardness of our hearts that finally then reveal our desperate need for the good news of Jesus. So let me ask you, how do you respond when you receive truth in love? Again, I know in the sermon last week, Anthony talked about that. He talked about truth and grace in love. Okay, you receive truth. Someone calls you out. It might be something that you didn't know you were doing. It might be an insensitivity. It might be a, an aspect of, 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 of racism. It might be a, 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 um, a, an unteachable heart. It might be something there that someone calls you out on. Sometimes a big deal, sometimes not as big of a deal. But how do you respond in that moment? I know for me, it's often a struggle. I want to save face. I want to I wanna keep my heart hardened in order to look better, in order to justify myself. I don't want to receive correction. My 10-year-old, one of my 10-year-olds just this week um, called me out, and it was humbling and, and, and embarrassing in some ways and difficult. And uh, it was a long conversation, and, and thankfully I'm preaching through this so the Holy Spirit didn't have to yell as loudly as he usually does to break through to myself and uh, it's just like hey this is a moment here are, are you going to harden your heart are you going to justify or, or are you going to understand the, the hardness of your heart that I'm breaking into right now and then Paul pauses alright so as we're doing this evaluation we're talking okay we're looking we're looking um, in a good way now we're looking at ourselves we're evaluating we're laying bare before God we're talking about growing as his people and then he pauses right he's like okay you know time out in verse 20 he says but that is not the way you learn Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus he pauses for a moment, okay? So in that first section that we walked through, verses 17 through 19, he's going really practical, right? This is how you live the, the Christian life. This is how you do these things, okay? Don't be like that. Don't be, um, don't be unaware of the polluted waters that you're walking in, okay? Live this way. And then in, in the next section here, he'll get into it again in verses um, 22 through 24. He'll get into really practical stuff again. But right now, verse 20 and 21, okay, you even look at it in your Bibles, it's as though he, he pauses, he shifts. He's like talking here, and then he does a little, little move, and it's like, oh, but only through authentic, real faith in Jesus. Because otherwise, it's like painting a house that has been condemned. 
All right, it's like, it's like painting a house, slapping a, a coat of paint on, you know, putting on wood floors where there is mold in, infested in the walls. All right, my wife and I got to go to um, Hurricane Katrina relief in New Orleans a long time ago, and I've never experienced, we had to wear these masks and all goggles and all these things, and um, it was nuts. And, and, and I've got this image in my mind of, you know, like, what would it have looked like if we showed up? We're like, oh, there's, hey, do you, we just need to slap some paint on this stuff. It'll be, it's good, right? Yeah, move back in. It's fine. You know, well, like that's what we're doing here if we're talking about self-help-ism, okay? If, if we think that five easy steps to improve your life, do these things, check off this box, and you'll just be a good, fine Christian walking along. God will be really happy with you, and it'll all be good. Just do these things. He's pausing and saying, um, that's ridiculous, okay, if it's outside of a transformed heart, okay? It's that, that, that real life, new life comes by Grace alone, as Christina talked about, undeserved favor. Nothing you can do to earn it. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Faith is a transfer of trust. Faith is not something I can do, not strong arm it, not pull myself up by my bootstraps, not, not have, you know, read the Bible in a year, do all these things, some really good things. Come to church every Sunday, whatever, all these really good things. No, no, no. By, by God's grace, his undeserved favor, through a transfer of trust. God, I've gotten myself into an incredibly broken place right now. We, corporately, as your people, like Isaiah um, and Eli Elijah, the prophet, do this calling out, we are an unclean people. We desperately need your, your help, this, this transfer of trust. Okay, I want to, and then in Jesus Christ alone, okay, I'll, that's, um, we'll get there more. I want to get back to the faith alone for a second. Okay, because I, I fear that we can hear these things and, and we can even nod our heads and if we were an amen saying church, amen, that we need to grow in, um, you know, we could say amen to. We could say, yeah, that's right. We might even tweet it out. We might even write this down. Oh, that's good stuff. But, but our practical lives don't reveal what's really going on in our hearts where we actually are looking for, as we're warned in elsewhere in Paul's writing, for our ears to be tickled, for just give me the, just give me the thing I can do. Just give me a law. Just give me what I can do to make me right with God. Give me what I can do to set me above other people. Give me something that I can do so now I can look down my nose and evaluate others in the way that I want to and not be so wrecked by God's grace that everything that flows out of our mouths it says but by God's grace so would I be amen so let's real do some hard evaluation here of what are ways that we tend to not embrace by faith alone, by transfer of trust in Jesus Christ alone and think, well, no, what am I looking for here? Because that's why Paul pauses in this moment. Because he knows he's talking to a bunch of religious people who are looking for an out, who are looking for a way to set themselves above everyone else. In Jesus Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That's why he says, um, he, he says, assuming that you heard 
about him. That's what most of our translations, that's even what's up on the screen there um, in, in the verse is. But, but it's actually, and this is very important, the, the Greek is actually very emphatic here that Paul is not saying you heard about Christ, but you heard Christ. You heard his call on your life. You heard Jesus wooing you to himself like like a little wobbly baby taking his or her first steps and and a father saying come here come this way this is where I am just take that step come here that we get that image of of Jesus himself making his his call to us like we've heard his voice you you hear in James okay this this idea of belief in just being an intellectual assent and in, in, in James, we, we see um, this, this, this call out of saying, whoa, you believe in Jesus? Oh, okay, good. Well, yeah, so do the demons, and they tremble. Okay, so belief, intellectual assent, recognizing what is true, saying amen, tweeting it out, blogging about it, coming in church, doing all these things. If it's not coming from a heart that is transformed from elsewhere, when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, he's saying, he who hears my voice and is, and is, and is able to respond to my draw, to my woo, okay, come, come, and, come and, and know me, come and have intimacy with me. So this isn't just you've heard about Jesus, you, 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 you check all the boxes right on a piece of paper. This is that you have a relationship with him in such a way that you have heard his call on your life and you have responded in faith. Like Isaiah in chapter 6 where he says, here am I, Lord, send me. In constant other places where you see when Jesus is, is reconciling Peter to himself after Peter denied him. And in, in the end, Peter has this kind of self of sense of surrender. In, um, in, in Psalm 51, you, you see David talking about this. And as well in Psalm 139, you see this surrender. There's at first this tension and this struggle and this wrestling with God. Maybe some of us in this room this morning are in that place. Well, hearing the voice of Jesus is ultimately saying, Uncle, it's ultimately tapping out on the mat. But that, that even sounds kind of harsh, and it's, it's more like ultimately saying, I, I hear your voice, and I know that in you is safety, is hope, is assurance. So it's following Christ. It's responding to his voice. So this isn't just hearing about Jesus. It's hearing the voice of Jesus and responding to him. And then, as we continue on, now he starts to talk about, some, now he gets back into the really, really practical. Okay, and he says, and, and now he moves on, he talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new. Okay, pick up with me in verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Put off the old self. Okay, this is where you hopefully now get this practical, intensely practical um, idea, image again. Okay, picture like old dirty clothes. If you've worked out in the yard, you've worked construction, you've done something, you've been, and then you, 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 you change that off. Okay, and then you shower, you get cleaned up, and you put on new stuff, right? You're good, you're, you're cozy. And then and some of us do this. You think, oh, well, that was, 
I felt r- really good in that. That's my, that's my comfortable shirt. I used to have a shirt that I put staples in. I can't even believe this until my wife was like, okay, you're stapling clothes. It's time to throw it out. Like that's too far. All right. Like you and some of us though, but all the more like picture, again, I was working out in the yard yesterday. You can think this idea of like stinky, gross. And, and this idea of like, you're all cleaned up and then you're like, yeah, I'm going to put that back on. Right? Like, oh, I'm going to go out to dinner. I'm going to go out on date now. I'm going to go over to someone's birthday party. I'm going to go break bread with someone and enjoy fellowship with someone. And, and I'm going to put those nasty clothes back on I had on earlier. This idea of, no, no, no. You're new in Christ. Put off the old and keep it off. And, and these tendencies, okay, that we take on. Now, when, hear me now for a moment. When you put your faith in Jesus, a transfer of trust, there is a one-time moment. There is, there is a 180 degree. There is again when sin entered into the world and we said, no thanks God, not your way, but my way. I will do things this way. And then repentance is an about face. Repentance in, in a, a transfer of trust of a, a regeneration is the big word. Or, or some of us have heard this language being born again. It's we turn away from Jesus and we are dead. We're dead in our sins. And then we hear the voice of Jesus. We hear his call. We, we respond in, in faith and we say, yes, Lord, just like the apostle Paul who wrote this letter when he was going in one direction, persecuting Jesus, his followers. And then he heard the voice of Jesus and he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus from Nazareth who you are persecuting. And then he, he calls him to himself and Paul does an about face and is now, is now a, a, in, in relationship. He has gone from death to life. Okay, picture baptism. If you've been baptized in here, not just here, but anywhere. It's incredibly important. When we do baptism services here, we take intentional time to talk through this and we invite the community up to stand around those being baptized and we encourage everyone. This isn't just a show. You're not just now in the peanut gallery, right? This is also a time for all of us to remember our baptistic identity. Okay, if you have put your faith in Jesus and you've never been baptized, I, I, I charge you, encourage you to be baptized. Come and talk to us. We'll do it anytime. We keep it under us, L- literally. There's like a boiler room under this uh, place, and we have our baptismal, um, you know, trough in there. And so, but this, this picture of, of dead to sin And that's what someone hears before they're baptized. Through faith in Jesus, you are dead to sin and alive to new life through faith in Christ. Okay, put off the old self. That is dead. That's the dead man. That's the dead person. Okay, put that off. What kind of practices for those here who have put their faith in Jesus, who have said, yeah, I follow Christ, what what kind of old clothes have you put back on? What kind of old habits? I know a couple I got to talk to this morning, a couple kids that were at, at, uh, at, at, at camp this week or a couple weeks ago had this incredible time. And I know in my own life, there was often times where I'm like, why do I do, like Paul, why do I do the stuff I don't want to do? Why don't I do the stuff I do want to do? I'm going to get it better. I'm going to change it. I'm going to go. And then we find ourselves, we just put that old cloak back on, right? We put those old boots back. Let's get, we put the old nasty, stinky socks back on. What, what, in, in this, what is the Holy Spirit revealing to you this morning that you old practices and tendencies? It's not always doing stuff, you know, what do you do, what do you drink, what do you smoke, what do you, it's not always that stuff. It's also stuff that we, what kind of views of self have I put back on? 
Okay, I, I, by God's grace, I've begun to see myself as he sees me. I've begun to have a steadfast confidence. I've begun to be less anxious in different settings because I know I am, I am his. I am beautifully and wonderfully made. And then I just get back into swimming in these polluted waters. And, and I forget. And I, I start to put these, these dirty glasses back on and see myself not the way that, that, that my God and my Savior sees me. What is the old stuff that he's calling you to put off? And then he says, and put on. It's not just a putting off. It's not just, a, oh, I'm not going to do this. It's also now there's, there's, a, there's a security. There's a confidence. There's even a, um, um, there's a, there's a, 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 a protective element to putting on the good news of Jesus. It's not just putting off the old ways of sin, but there's a sense of continually putting on his good news of who you are through faith in Jesus, right? So pick up with me now in verse, uh, verse 23. He says, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Remember who you are. Remember when, when Jesus called you and you heard his voice, you put your faith in him, and he said, who, who is there left to condemn you? No one. So I, I don't contemn, condemn you either. You're, you're forgiven. You go from being enemies of God to, to forgiven, reconciled sons and daughters. Okay, no longer needing to grovel, to wallow, no longer needing to justify away, but simply free to run before your father to say I'm sorry when necessary, and then right away to say thank you. Thank you for forgiving me before I even asked for it. Thank you that my sin is as far as the east is from the west. Okay, as we prepare to close, I, I want to say um, something here for a minute. In fact, this morning I was reading in, in the Psalms. In Psalm 61, I don't have it up here on the screen, but if you're taking notes, you can write this down. But Psalm 61, verse 8, um, the psalmist is, is, is talking about his relationship with God. And he says something here that I think we need to hear this morning. He, as he's talking, he says, he, he, he says, as I perform my vows day after day, all right, especially the millennial crowd in here, um, there's this tendency to, it, we, we have such a thirst for authenticity, which is really, really good, right? We want to be real. We don't want to be fake. We don't want to just go through the motions, but the pendulum can get swung to this other unhealthy extreme where we, we look away from rhythms, from anything that's consistent. All right, that we think, oh, I don't want to do that. I, I, and I've literally had conversations about this. I don't really, I don't have, I don't really read the Bible anymore because I don't want to get too legalistic about it. So I just, you know, as it comes up, I kind of flip around in the scriptures. But I don't really read through books as a, as a whole. I don't really do this much. I don't really journal or pray consistently because I don't want to get all religious and legalistic. It's all about this, you know, blowing dandelions and running, or, you know, and I just kick back with my guitar and a and a you know hemp necklace and some craft coffee or some you know some tea and I just am one with Jesus as I say that that is really good stuff that can be really good and do that right I'm like one year removed or like actually like two months removed from being a millennial so I'm going to milk that as much as I can um 
But no, there's this, this, there's some, again, really, really good. Because there's also people, I mean, again, he, there's warnings here of like memorizing scripture, right? Satan, when he was tempting Jesus, how did he do it? He used scripture, all right? So on the other hand, you, you could know your Bible inside and out, and it's not really your Bible, right? Because you don't really submit to it. It doesn't pierce your heart. It's just something you do because maybe other generations are more prone to that kind of stuff. And it's not, it's not clean lines, right? It could be, we could have young people who are super old souls and, you know, do their same thing and read the newspaper every morning and read their scripture and it, you know, or there could be old people who are out there blowing dandelions and drinking tea and whatever too. It's like, it doesn't, it could cross all over here. But the warning here that I think we need to hear this morning is there's some really, really good stuff in consistently submitting to God's word. Daily, this is Paul's exhortation here in this whole section, is daily putting off the old and putting on the new. Again, understanding you're, you're, you're doing a cannonball plunge every day into polluted waters in the world around us. And so you need to constantly get off and shower that off. Okay, you need to constantly understand, put off the old, put on the new. Something we love to talk about here and use this grid is what's a meat and potatoes? What's a, what's a family dinner around the table? Some of us rarely had those, right? So we're like, man, I don't even know what that looks like. But what's one of those meals around the table that, that's just no one's going to remember even next week? Or in, certainly not in five or ten years. But is formative and shaping in ways we will never probably even know. All right, what, what kind of picture is that? Coming before God's word, reading his word, spending time with him in prayer, putting on the good news of Jesus that he has called us into. So I want to ask us to consider as we respond now, I want to go back to those, where was it? Verses uh, 20 and 21. Hearing the voice of Jesus. Have you heard the voice of Jesus? You might have grown up in the church. You might, have, you might even be in full-time ministry. You might know how to play the game really, really well. You might know a ton of scripture. You, you might have been around. It's even embarrassing to maybe even say this, but you, as the Spirit is revealing the good news of Jesus, you're seeing, wow, I've never really heard the voice of Jesus and responded in faith to him. Or perhaps this is your first time hearing it, and it's also the first time your, your ears are open to hear and to respond. I don't want to get, I don't want to assume for any of us in this room, have you heard and responded to the call of Jesus on your life? Have you transferred your trust to him? Said, Lord, I surrender all. He is both Savior and Lord. Have you turned your heart, your life over to him? Because all this other stuff, he uses the language, Jesus uses the language of being a whitewashed tomb. That's an even, that's a much, I don't know why I tried to create my own illustration with the, with the house in New Orleans. Jesus said it better, right? A whitewashed tomb, a decaying, stinking, dead corpse, and you're just trying to paint the outside. If that's you, as I close in a moment, simply follow his lead. Respond to him by saying, I, I surrender all to you. Create life where there's currently death. Turn my heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And then for all of us in here this morning, as we respond again individually and as a community, as we come forward and take communion, let us consider what does it look like 
very practically to put off the old and to put on the new, the good news of Jesus, as we have been reconciled individually and communally to him and to each other in order to live out his good news as a display of his glory in, in the world around us. Amen? Let's pray together and respond. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together in your word. I pray that you will lead us appropriately to respond. Lord, I don't need to manipulate this. I don't need to, I, I know and am incredibly grateful for the fact that your, your spirit is at work. God, that, that, that no one can, 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 can plug their ears enough to drown you out. Lord, I pray that, that you are calling individuals to faith in you. Lord, I trust and know, even as you're doing in my own heart and life, that you are convicting us where we need to be convicted. You are encouraging us where we need to be encouraged. As we, again, put off the old and put on the new and daily live out the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.